This is a Speakerbox Media production. New flavor in your ear. Welcome to another episode of Love from a Distance, where we turn away from the chaos in the world and focus on the love in our hearts. You know, when catastrophe strikes the globe, such as the pandemic we're dealing with now, everyone is affected. However, historically, it's economically deprived communities that suffer the most. In many places around the world, this deprivation too often pertains to communities of color. So when we talk about sharing love from a distance, we are referring to sharing love with all peoples from all walks of life, but also with the intention of sharing an extra measure of love and compassion for those communities that have been stepped over, overlooked, and largely forgotten. Hi, I'm Tina Lifford, and as usual, here to share an extra measure of love with me today is my big-hearted friend, Iyama Banzant. And freedom. Iyama. And freedom. <laughs> oh, <my>. oh, <laughs> who is that? This is Miss Freedom. This is my new puppy. Oh, Miss Freedom. A Pomeranian. Uh, a Pomeranian? She, yeah, and as soon as we started, she started screaming her head off. So, oh, <laughs> I miss freedom. I'm gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. How big do they get? I mean, they're like small. How many pounds? Yeah, well, she's about she's about three. What are you doing? Get your foot. She got a foot in my bosom. <laughs> <laughs> she's about um, she's about a pound and a half now, but she'll go up to three, maybe three pounds. And how do she and the turtle get along? What's the turtle's name? Well, she rides on his back. He puts his head in and he just don't, Billy, she don't have, he don't have no use for her at all. Now, don't be screaming. Sit there. Uh, yeah. I so she, she gets on his back and she rides around. But she was, she was punished because she had an accident. So I had to go get her. Good. Mm -hmm. Good for you. you <laughs> You, did you know her previous owner or you just yeah, heard about her? Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I know her mom your, and her dad. How was your Mother's Day? I don't know how you um, celebrate Mother's Day. I, I, braless. <laughs> <laughs> braless, baby. Braless, lashless. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I, it was really quiet. You know, I did, I cleaned out my bathroom medicine cabinet, which I had been threatened to do. <laughs> and I watched Law and Order all day. I gave myself permission to have two Hagen Das bars. And um, <laughs> I, I think I had Cheerios for, for dinner. <laughs> love that. I love that. I um, wouldn't let anybody come over, leave me alone, go away. Yeah, that, that sounds like a wonderful um, day. Yeah. Uh, I went to my mom's house uh, and she watched me, my sister and my niece learn one of those TikTok dances. <laughs> she was in heaven. And then uh, my sister, my older sister died last year. And so her daughter is having a difficult time. Uh -huh. So we put my mother, my 87 year old mother in the car and we, the five of us, went uh, and parked out front of my niece's apartment building, blast 
the radio ghetto style, and then stood on the street, the three of us all doing that dance. It no. was so much fun. <laughs> you got to make it up these days. You just got to make it up. As you hey, hey, so, so I just heard that Iyala Bansat has a new show. What is yes, this? Yes, I do. And it premiered yesterday. It's called Fear Not. Uh, with Yamla Van Sand, and we premiered yesterday on OWN last night up against Barack Obama. <laughs> but, uh, and what I do, I'm giving people helpful tips, tools, information about how to move through fear because my concern is that they're going to be, we got to figure out how we're going to live on the other side of this virus. Right. And also helping people understand that the fears that they're experiencing aren't the result of the virus, but the virus has triggered them up. We yeah. brought this fear in here. You know, the relationships that are falling apart were yeah. falling apart before Corona. Yeah. The money issues, uh, of course, you know, people have lost their income, but I guarantee you there were still some money issues. Uh, so it's not so much about entertainment as it is about information. And I'm gonna be giving people tools and, and um, skills that they can use because we got to move out of this and yeah. now yeah. what's happened is the three basic human fears have been triggered and i talked about those last night fear of nature and what it can do because we can't control it or predict it fear of the unknown which again we can't control but in fear of the unknown you have fear of death and fear of losing control. And then fear of other human beings, which is huge. I mean, people won't look at you, they won't come near you. I mean, so all of this can, stuff is- can, keep, can we like watch a replay of this? Is there some way that those of us who didn't know that you were on and doing a new show, <laughs> is there some way that we can go and get that information and be enlightened by you? If I know anything about OWN, they'll probably play it the hour before the new show comes on so that you have continuity. So next Saturday on OWN, probably 8 p.m., they okay. should play the old show, yeah. I am going to DVR it for sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, so um, do you have some shout outs for oh, us? I do, and everybody's saying you can also watch it on the OWN app. Oh, new, okay, there, on there you have it. Yeah, who, I saw Atlanta's in the house. I saw the Boogie Down Bronx's in the house. I want to give a shout out to all my spiritual warriors from the global living room antiviral community. Uh, I don't see Brooklyn. I did see, oh, Colorado, Cleveland, Ohio. Harlem's in the house, Cincinnati's in the house. California, where in California? That's a big city. <laughs> <laughs> Dunkirk, Mexico, uh, Dunkirk, Maryland, Alabama. Queen City, Charlotte. Oh, they're coming in. Clarksdale, Mississippi, Staten Island, Panama. Yeah, so St. Croix. Yeah, Brooklyn's here. Far Rockaway's here. Atlanta, Augusta. So they're all in because they it, It's so much fun to hear that, you know, we are reaching so many people across yeah. the globe. That's just exciting, right? National is South Africa's in the house. It's a, yes. it's, a, it's a living room. And this is how we really do get to love each other from a distance. Absolutely. So I love it. I Absolutely. Love it. Well, I, I've actually got some shout outs from um, people who have sent in messages to us. So uh, Native World Champion at um, AOL. Uh, I do not have internet. Hmm. Oh. Maybe, maybe 
you and that person should become friends, Iyanla. Uh, I do not have internet, so I have been driving 18 miles to the library to use their outdoor internet. I watch your program and create art at the same time. Isn't oh, that exciting? that is so beautiful. Isn't that wonderful? And uh, Rosenka Thompson is the first person to confirm that she received her swag bag. Okay, good. So, yeah, she says, hi, just received my gift today. Uh, thank you so much for everything. Loving these products and you all for all that you do for us. Good. Well, I hope you enjoy some masterpiece. That's wonderful. And then Merck, uh, 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 Linen, uh, hello, I was signed up for Love from a Distance podcast, but I didn't have the opportunity to join. Is there anywhere I could listen to it now? Well, Merck, um, absolutely. In fact, you can watch the first three episodes for free. Just visit www.lovefromadistance.live where the videos and audios are posted. And you can also watch additional snippets on our YouTube page. Just search speakerbox.media. Uh, That's speaker, S-P-K-E-R-B-O-X media. All right, and thank you so much for uh, writing in. And uh, here, Iyanla, this is from Penny. Hello, Iyanla. I truly, uh, I truly enjoy the show. Ms. Tina, she's talking about Knowles, uh, was awesome. Not at all what I expected. Very down to earth. Yes, she was, wasn't she? And I absolutely love her. Felt like I was with old friends. It was a pleasure seeing Tina Lifford as well. I love her own Queen Sugar. Thank you so very much. And <laughs> um, can't wait until next week. Good. Right where we are now. <laughs> Let me acknowledge Toronto and um, Santa Fe in the house. I want to acknowledge them. I'm, I'm keeping one eye out. I don't know where freedom went. I lost my freedom. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I would love to know why you named the dog Freedom. I'm oh, it's clear because your words are powerful. So every time I call her, I want to yeah. call something that I want to experience. I don't yeah. want to call her butch or, you yeah. know, fire. <laughs> I want to call her something that I want to experience. Her yeah. name is Freedom and her brother's name is Peace. I love so that. He'll be love here, that. So he'll be here in about a week. Uh, so when I call them, I am affirming what I want to experience. So Peter. Okay and freeze and yes. freedom yes. And freedom yes <laughs> well that just moves us into today's guest uh yeah. today's guest is bakari sellers quite literally has the blood of the 1960 civil rights movement coursing through his veins yes. his father cleveland sellers is a veteran civil rights activist who was pushing America to live up to its promise. Yeah. In 2006, Bakari Sellers, at just 22 years old, defeated a 26-year incumbent state representative to become the youngest member of the South Carolina State Legislature and the youngest African-American elected official in the nation. He is currently a practicing attorney and a CNN political commentator. His book, My Vanishing Country, shines a light on communities of the rural South that have been marginalized for far too long. Yeah. 
Yeah, communities which he loves dearly and is willing to continue to fight for. So here to share the love with us today is Bakari Sellers. Bakari! Thank you so much for having me. I, I'm from the big city of Denmark, South Carolina, and my, my mom and dad would always tell me the two most important words in the English language are the words thank you. Yes. They're not nearly said enough. And so just thank you, ladies, for allowing me to share your platform on this this day. I, it's, a, it's a privilege. I'm looking forward to our discussion. We, we're being selfish. It's, it's not often we get to talk to a fine young man such as <laughs> Well, I, I, like I told you earlier, I'm channeling my, my inner uh, young Teddy Pendergrass, uh, young Marvin Gaye. I know. Gaines, it looks I, good. I, I love I, I it. I love that. And, and do you see how much he looks like the image on his book? Bakari, pull your book forward, or, or if that's easy. I'm with yeah, that, yeah, it's like, that's the same guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the crazy part is I have 16-month-old twins. And one of wow. my, yes, I have, a, I have a daughter, Sadie, and a son, Stokely, um, named after Stokely Carmichael. Um, you were just saying um, that when you call something, you want to, to, to feel that. And so when I yell Stokely, I have the presence of Stokely Carmichael. And, and Sadie, we have that, that presence in this home. And Stokely looks just like that. It's like looking into a, an image of yourself. So I, I'm, I'm thankful and proud. But that little boy is still here and, and still has the same hopes and dreams. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, was it your son that was ill? No, my daughter. So uh, last year we went through a, a lot, and I know we'll, we'll probably get to it, but last year my my wife, um, uh, she almost died in childbirth, uh, January 7th. Um, Stokely was born at 5.33 uh, and Sadie at 5.28. And um, about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, um, Ellen um, was vomiting. Um, she had passed out. I had to be her, her chief advocate. We were yelling and screaming. Um, she spent the first 36 hours of our um, children's life in ICU. Uh, but, you know, I always talk about that with the political overlay because this is African-American female mortality. It doesn't matter whether or not you are Serena Williams or Ellen Sellers or whether or not you're on Medicaid. Um, it affects black women more than it affects their peers. About two months later, we found out that my daughter, um, Sadie, was suffering from uh, biliary atresia, which is a really rare uh, liver disease. Um, she was on the uh, a transplant waiting list for 93 days. Wow. Um, so for just imagine um, every day you're watching um, your daughter, um, the, the one who God just gave you dying in front of you. Um, and she was blessed with the gift of life on September 1st. And so as we go through this corona, as we go through this quarantine, I can tell you uh, that after everything that we went through last year, every day that people are healthy, we count it as joy. So we are a joyous, yeah. joyful household because we are very appreciative of, of that help. Let me tell you something. You you probably don't know this. I think I told you when I saw you, but some you know everybody knows that I'm a prayer warrior. So yeah. the day your daughter was, it you were in the hospital. Somebody oh. you know that I know text me. You know Bakari Sellers. I said yeah, the young brother out of South Carolina. He said just start praying. Yeah. <laughs> okay? So hey. I just started praying, right? Yeah. Then I. And I said, well, what am I praying for? <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, your prayers don't... work. Don't, listen, and, and, and don't, I'm, now one of the things that I, I am shame, I'm shameless about a lot, but one of the things I'm shameless about is I am, I'm asking for your prayers. Keep us there. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't stop. Keep, keep the Sellers family in your prayers. But I have a, a beautifully strong wife um, who passed down her strength to um, um, our daughter. And so, um, you know, it's just an amazing, amazing household we have here. We're, we're thankful for every single day. Yeah. My vanishing country. Yes, ma'am. 
talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's my heart. I mean, I, I put my truth on, this, on these pages. It starts from, um, you know, my, my upbringing in the, in the dirt roads of Denmark, South Carolina. Um, I talked to people about my most, the most important day of my life, which was February 8th, 1968. Even before, I, it was almost 20 years before I was born. Uh, my father was shot um, in the Orangeburg Massacre. Three young men, none of the, over the age of 19, Henry Smith, Samuel Hammond, and Delano Middleton were killed. 28 others were wounded. All nine officers who fired shots into the group of students were found not guilty. But my father uh, was arrested. He was a member of SNCC. Yeah. And he was charged, tried, and convicted of rioting. He became the first and only one-man riot in the history of this country. And so I started there, and I chronicled the trauma of being um, Black and being a male and being from the South in this country. And I book in when we get to uh, tr the Charleston Massacre. Um, one of my good friends, Clemente Pinckney, uh, when I was in the State House, he was my state senator. Um, he was the youngest state senator. I was the youngest state representative. We, we had this bond. He had this, this very deep voice. Um, and and you, you both will appreciate this. Um, I, I go into the story of, of how uh, Clem uh, did what most, most people of color do on Wednesdays. He's in Bible study. And there's a straggly white boy with a book bag on that they ain't never seen before. Yeah. And they let this white boy into their service. Yeah. And they sit down in a circle so they can see everybody and they pray. And Clem doesn't, Clem doesn't put the boy at the, at the other side. He puts the boy right beside him. And they pray for an entire hour. And as they as they're giving the benediction and, and close their heads and bow their close their eyes and bow their heads, he shoots Clem in the neck and kills eight others as well. And I just I, I try to talk about all of that trauma. Um, and, and my hope is that there is some understanding that comes from this book. Um, but it also it, it talks about how far we've come, but even more importantly, how far we have to go. Yeah. When you say vanishing country. Because I, I, I know your father was a member of SNCC. I was going to ask you if you ever had the pleasure of meeting Stokely, but probably. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. No, I have many. Okay, good. So, so Stokely and my dad, they were, they were uh, college roommates at Howard. That's um, how I know your dad. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I uh, Stokely, uh, Uncle Stokely, Uncle Stokely, Uncle okay. Julian, Marion Berry, Marian Berry yes. Julian Bond, Kathleen Cleaver, they, these are, this is my family. So when you say vanishing country, because, you know, I'm, I'm a wordsmith. So yes, ma'am. What, what do you think is vanishing or what do you feel is vanishing for you? What is vanishing? So I, I give it, it has two, two very uh, glaring meanings. The first is um, when you're from these places in this country that are forgotten. Um, for me, it's, it's the, the poor rural South. Um, what once was a bustling economy where you had upward mobility for everyone, including people of color, you now drive down these main streets and what used to be a record store, uh, ice cream oh, shop, yeah. Uh, uh, a, a bakery, uh, you a know, a store. <laughs> yeah, a, fa every, a, fa a five and dime, a That's hardware right. store, right? Um, they're all, they're, they're boarded up. You know, what, what used to be the lifeblood of communities is now, is now vanishing. And so I, I paint that picture. But even more importantly, um, I paint that picture and try to give it voice because those, 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 vo those people, they're not, they're not, um, they're not voiceless, they've just been unheard. And I think it's, I think it's different sometimes. And the second thing is, what, what's really troublesome as we look at the country we're in now, I, I, I truly believe, and what's troubling my spirit as I'm raising brown children in this world, is that the promises that have been set forth in this country, the, those that we believe in, the pursuit of, of liberty and justice, those words that I love like uh, peace and hope and justice and truth and happiness, 
though that promise is vanishing right before our eyes and so i wanted to paint that picture so that people can then go out and and, and attempt to, to to push this country to be a more perfect union to believe in what abraham lincoln called the better angels of our nature and so that's why i, I wrote this book so that so that black folk can get a sense of pride um, people of color can get a sense of pride and so that white folk can get some understanding uh, and what I wanted people to understand is that my trauma that I've been through as a 35 year old black man, it may not be your trauma. Right. But I want to understand that trauma that we share. And I want us to be able to then have some empathy, some understanding and some compassion. And that way we can persevere together. Yeah. Beautiful. You know, and, and trauma, yes, but also the lack of humanity. Oh. I, I think that that is the one thing that it's vanishing. I know for me, so I'm probably in your daddy's circle because I know Stokely and your dad and Mayor Barry and, you know, I'm in that, that age group. But, but let, me, let me just tell you about this. And I, I know I, I don't I, look it. No, <laughs> you know, I know you don't, you, my love. You know, you, you were in elementary school when they were in college. That's okay. I, that's okay. No, I, I, I talk about, um, I hope you all appreciate this. I talk about the fact that um, people of color, young people, particularly black men specifically, don't get the benefit of their humanity in this country. Okay. And people, people say, what do you mean by that? And then I just run down the list of names. I run down uh, the Keith Lamont Scotts, the Walter Scotts, the, the Blands, the Eric Gardner's, Alton Sterling's, the um, Ahmaud Arbery's, um, the Breonna Taylor. Olua Van Zandt, Damon Van Zandt. I've, I've got a son and four grandsons. And listen, the, the, you see the, the violence that we see perpetrated on these people is because they, saw, they were seen as being less than human. So Dehumanized, man, devalued, correct. And, and just dispirited, yeah. But this ain't new. And I want people to understand that this ain't a new phenomenon. You know, in 1955, one of the baddest women in the entire civil rights movement was Mrs. Teal. I talk yeah. about that in the book. My dad, my dad used to say, he, he, he swears by her. She was a hero because she allowed the entire world, before we had viral images on Twitter and, and Instagram, she allowed the entire world to see her son brutalized. And her son was one of many of the names that we do not know, that we cannot call out, yeah. who were still probably buried at the bottom of the Mississippi River. Right. And, and so we have lived in a country that for generations has not given people of color the benefit of their humanity. And so I wrote this book so that we can have these conversations so that one day, um, my children can be free. And that, that's, that's my dream. That, that's my goal. I want them to be free to pursue those not so tangible ideals that I believe they deserve. Do you, when you look at the fact that your dad and, and Stokely, and I mean, I'm out of Brooklyn, so I had Mary Baraka and I had yeah. Wes Campbell who started, you know, independent schools. I had all of that. Um, do you think it is ever going to be possible when you look at the leadership of this country today, when you look where we're heading and for me and, you know, my son is older than you. So when you, I don't know, there's a level of disconnect. I'm not sure young people understand the value and the importance of culture and history. Yeah. The way you're speaking about it. So there's a kind of disconnect. Do you think it's going to be possible if we don't have control of education, Bakari? Well, I mean, I, I grew up in a part of South Carolina that they called the quarter of shame. 
It's yeah. where kids go to school and their heating and air don't work, where their infrastructure is falling apart. Um, I know one of my friends is joining us right now. She loves you both. Her name is Janisha Lodho. She's married to my, my best friend in the world, Jared Lodho. We went to school together. Um, and Jared and I went to Orangeburg Wilkinson High School, um, where 95, 98% of the kids were on um, um, free and reduced lunch, where um, you, know, you, you knew people who would have to um, take the breakfast and lunches home um, to feed their little brothers and sisters, yes. um, where teachers were overworked and underpaid. I mean, I talk about this. This is my upbringing. Um, and when you leave the school, you live in a, you live in a food desert, right, where you can't go um, two or three miles and get healthy food alternatives. And if you get sick, our, our hospital closed in 2010. You don't have access to quality care. And then you're drinking water that has lead or you're, you're, you're living next to a brownfield. And so you have these systemic injustices. So to answer your question, I am very hopeful. Uh, because one of the things I refuse to let anyone in 1600 Pennsylvania or these boys who run the legislature down in the South right now, I refuse to let them take my faith and I refuse to let them take my hope. Um, but I do know that it's going to take a whole lot of work. And I just want uh, a lot of my book is an ode to uh, you and to both of you all. It, it's a it's a love story and, and, and giving people their flowers while they're living so that we can acknowledge the the, the fact that there is an entire generation that worked extremely hard so I could be sitting here with you all today. My challenge, and our generation is figuring this out. My challenge, our challenge is to now carry that torch forward. See, Bakari, your father was conscious. But you know, even in your generation, there are so many people who were so busy struggling yeah. in the midst of trauma that they never got conscious. Right. And so there are many in your generation, and I want to acknowledge, I failed your generation because I was chasing the American dream. You know, I could get a job and I could be in corporate America. I mean, I went to law school when I was 30, okay? I went to a historically black college, but there were the conversations at the dinner table. I didn't do that. Gathering up the youngins in the community. Once I left the Panthers and SNCC, I didn't do that anymore. So there's a level of failure that I have to acknowledge in my generation. Thank God your dad was conscious. What about the brothers whose parents weren't conscious? Well, let me just, I want you to have, a, I want you to have more faith in our generation. I want both of you, I want everybody watching to have more faith. I want you all to remain prayerful and hopeful in our generation. I also remind people that, um, and I do this especially in the South, when you, when you go in the South, um, and you count 10 black folk above the age of 60, all 10 of them will tell you that they march with King when in all honesty, less than one of them was actually there. Okay. So let's just keep, let's just keep it a buck real quick. Okay. I did actually. Let's just keep, you did, I know, but let's just keep it a buck. Everybody wasn't there. Okay. And so I, I want people to know that sometimes leadership is lonely. Um, and we have voices that are coming from some different places. You know, I, I appreciate it. Um, Sean Combs and, and people might not have liked uh, what he was saying or how he was saying, but I actually appreciated what he meant saying yeah. that if you're going to run for president, you have to make sure that you have an agenda for, for people of color. I get that. I appreciate the voices like Charlemagne. I like the Jesse Williams. Yeah. I, I like these, the, these, these amazing, the Brittany Patnets, uh, you know, the, the Angela Rise, all of these, Simone Sanders. Simone Sanders is not even 35 years old and she's a senior advisor for someone who can be the next president of the United States. And so I say have faith and hold on. You know, one of those okay. old Negro spirituals, hold on. Right. Um, because I do feel like our time is coming. 
So that, that is my question and concern. You talked earlier about the importance of faith and a sense of possibility and hope, you know, and um, happiness, those, those tenets that are supposed to be part of the Constitution. And yet in our communities, um, a lot of hope is not present. And yet hope is such a soul strengthening um, characteristic and attribute. How do we, in the midst of the challenges, in the midst of the reality of racism, how can you help us individually stoke and stay connected and build a sense of hope and possibility? Because we need that for the journey. And I, I tell you, it's a, it's, a, it's a very, very difficult challenge. And I, I, my book is really aspirational. It's, things, it's some things I'm even still working towards. I don't want anybody to believe that I am there because I, I am not. Um, and it's very difficult because I, I, I have to remind individuals that I'm not, uh, I am uh, not someone who cares when somebody calls me the N-word by any stretch. That's ignorance. Um, and, and the way that, the way that since we're, <laughs> we're, we're uh, bringing in Stokely, I, Stokely once said, that those who want to lynch me, that's their problem. But if you have the power to lynch me, that's my that's problem. My problem. That's right. So what I'm focused on is tearing down these power constructs. I'm yes. making sure that people have access to clean water so that they can be hopeful they'll be healthy. Making sure that they have access to a quality education because right now in this country, you are penalized because of the zip code you're born into. Right. So they can be hopeful that they'll be educated. I want people to have access to quality health care so they can be hopeful that they don't have to uh, have a comorbidity or preventable illness. So when we have a pandemic, you know, white folk get coronavirus, black folk die. Um, and so the, this is, these are the type of messages. And I can't, one of the things I always say is I never, I never can believe that I can do this by myself. Yes. Oh, so, so I, and I think that people have leadership, all types of jacked up. Um, in Morehouse College, I talk about my, 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 my good, my good days at Morehouse College. One of the things they taught us is that leadership doesn't have followers. That, that's yeah. not, if you, if you are a pastor with a flock, that's not necessarily leadership. That's right. Leadership yeah. is when you beget other leaders. That's right. You know, I, I, I am out on a mission to make sure that others can be there and lead with me. Yes. It, it, it's horrible when you're the only person who can afford to pay for dinner. You want to make sure that everybody at the table um, <laughs> can put down their card if they, if they so choose. Yeah. And so... That is how I remain hopeful. And then I have, I have three children. I have a 14-year-old stepdaughter and, and twins right now. And so I don't have a choice but right. to be hopeful. Um, well, I, you know, the thing that you said, two things. One, a master is not one who has mastered anything. The master is the one who creates other masters. Correct. So one of the things that I had to do was I had to stay in touch with you all. Like, uh, you know, I remember when Issa Ray came out with mm -hmm. me, I was all over her. You know, I stay in touch so that I know, that's how I knew you were in the state house. That's how I knew the brother in Jersey, Imari. I knew he was running for me. So that is the thing we have to do. We have to seek you all out. We have to find you. I have to listen to your music so that I know what. <laughs> I, I want to see, you know, what y'all going to do is you two, I want to see both of y'all do one of these new TikTok dances. I want to see, did it. I'm a savage. Yeah, I'm a savage. The remix, that's what we're going to do. I want to see that this week. <laughs> you know, so. Well, we, we actually have uh, an audience full of questions that, oh, okay. yeah, that people would love to ask. So I'm just going to jump in. Um, 
Greetings, Bakari. What has kept you grounded in spite of your busy family, professional life, and life's challenges? Uh, my friends and, and where I'm from. Uh, my friends are the most humbling group of friends you can ever imagine. Uh, they, they, uh, we, we, we call it jiving each other. I don't know if y'all had jiving and jonesing. We, we yes. got a lot of jive, we got a lot of jiving going on. Um, I never get, I never get too far away um, from my friends and my family. Um, uh, and, and the other thing that, that that keeps me grounded is, is I am beginning to mature and understand when I'm having issues. Um, I suffer from anxiety. Um, I talk about it in the book. In fact, I call anxiety a black man's superpower. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I've learned, I call it sometimes getting caught up in my head. And when I'm caught up in my head and I'm having these fears, sometimes irrational or otherwise, I've, I've learned that I have to begin to talk to people. And for black men, particularly, we think that the only person we should talk to is the man that's cutting our hair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but I've also learned that it's very healthy to have conversations with others. Um, and the healthier I am, the more that I can give. Um, and so I, I, I try to stay grounded by staying healthy, um, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. I try to stay grounded by having a, a really um, robust group of friends. And at the end of the day, I have a beautiful black woman at home who uh, makes sure that I stay grounded because that's just what y'all do. Let me, let me just <laughs> help you here a little bit, Bakari. When you say you, you stay, I want to offer you this to consider yes, that when that stuff happens, that you are alone in your head without adult supervision. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> that is, that is. You need to go get some supervision, okay? Exactly. Right. Okay. And, and, and so the friends that jive, you know, they keep you grounded. They're not impressed with you. They are, they are standing with you and for you. But when that thing happens, when, when you know you're up there without adult supervision, it is, I want to acknowledge you for just being willing to go get some help. And let, let, me, let me tell you a story. Um, last year, um, I was, as you, many people didn't know what we were going through. We had prayer warriors, but it wasn't something that the entire world knew. Um, you know, I, I, there's an old song, I don't want to bore you away. And, and, yeah. and, and so I, I, was, I was someone who didn't necessarily want to bore the world with my, with my problems per se. And I saw, uh, I got invited to Tyler Perry's home. Um, and I was there for his big studio, studio grand opening oh. and it was fabulous. Did you get the uh, invitation? You still got the invitation? Oh, oh, of course, it's under the bed. I mean, sure, that's something. <laughs> right over there. And so I, I, um, I'm there and that Sunday, uh, Bishop Jakes gives an amazing, an amazing sermon. Um, he, he talks about, uh, how the cod and in order to stay fresh, they decided to put its arch enemy, the catfish, in with it so it could chase it all around the country, right? Um, and after that, I, I saw Bishop Jakes and I saw Tyler, and I was just going up to shake their hands, and I broke down in tears. I literally just, and it, in front of everybody, I mean, Kirk Franklin's over here. I was standing behind you. Oh, yeah, you, I know. A Ava, I mean, you got everybody is there. I mean, it's just, it's a room packed full of people, and here I am using the paper tissue, and Bishop Jakes and Tyler, they just, they just hugged me. Um, and I, I say that to say that sometimes you're going through things and you need those moments um, where individuals can just reach out and, and, and hug you so you can continue your service. And that, that, is, that is what I needed at that time. And so I, 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 am, I am unashamed uh, of, of my vulnerability. I write about it in my book all, all yeah. throughout. 
you gotta, you gotta, you gotta live in your truth. Cause when you don't, that's when you, that is when some bad stuff begins to happen to you and the loved ones. Well, please add me to your list, Bakari, because I have you, I have several, like I said, I won't mention people's names, but sometime it'll hit me and I will just send you a text. Uh, you know, make sure you get my number. I'll send you a text because you still on the prayer list because nobody, I learned on CNN that your daughter was okay. <laughs> good, uh, good. I, I, listen, I, I text uh, Bishop, Bishop Jakes and I talked the other night at 1145 at night. I text with Tyler. They are good friends to this day. And so I'm, I'm definitely adding you to that list. Yeah, they, they, nev- they told me to pray. They never told me when to stop. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, you're going to love this question. Um, where does one begin to learn about politics when growing up there were no political conversations around the dinner table? Just like you said, Iyanla. Yeah. So that, that is, I, I've been blessed and I, and I recognize that in 1988, I was the campaign baby um, for Jesse Jackson. So every time you saw Jesse holding a baby up, that was an all likelihood me. And I recognize that that's not everybody's, um, not everybody's upbringing, and I recognize that, that blessing. However, I tell people it's never too late to get involved. In fact, um, with this thing right here, uh, we have the entire world at, at our fingertips. Um, and through Twitter and Facebook and, and um, Instagram, you, you can funnel that energy into positive things. But it starts locally. I, I, we, have, we have a bunch of people from around the world who are listening. And I, I say, when was the last time you went to your city council meeting? Or when was the last time you went to your school board meeting? And my, my good friend, Barack Obama, he always says that politics starts in a church basement with a right. eating cold pizza. That's right. right. It's, it's not the glitz and glamour of, of the stage giving a speech to the DNC. It's that local community. It's building your community. It's starting and mobilizing your, your fraternity, your sorority. It's mobilizing your book club because you're going to have a My Vanishing Country book, book club. You like that plug? That's what you're supposed to do. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And it's about mobilizing. It's about mobilizing do and, and doing all of those things uh, that are necessary uh, so that you can improve your condition and not just yours, but the condition of those around you. Do you remember teachings? Because that's what we called them in Brooklyn. We had okay. teachings where you went in and you never knew who was going to show up. I mean, from the councilman to the city. Congressman Al Van and and uh, Roger Green and so many they would just show up and they would do teachings and right, you know we used to have them in the, in the living room we would have them in the living room and yeah. we would have the we would have the the city council person come by or the mayor come by and my mom would would lay out a spread and and my daddy would be drinking a little wild turkey I probably shouldn't be telling the whole world that but he'd have, <laughs> he'd have a little wild turkey and they would sit down and they would figure out how they were going to attempt to um, change the community that they lived in. And so politics is not something that you can't touch. Everyone can be a part of it. It's a participatory democracy. Don't ever forget that. It is a participatory democracy. And, And the other thing is, you know, that today everything is so personality driven and we have so many opinions. You know, I don't like that person because they said this. I don't like that. Do they have wisdom to teach you? You know, because they know the struggle, whether it's, you know, Reverend Jackson or Reverend Sharpton, or I'm looking at, you know, the elders who are around. Give up your opinions and go get some wisdom. Listen, Twitter has made everybody have a Juris Doctor. Everybody (laughs) knows what they're talking about on Twitter. And I'm like, that ain't 
That's not true. Uh, half of these opinions, we have to we have to retreat from being a Twitter and Facebook community and actually have some real life conversations. I want to ask you this. I'm sorry, Tina. Okay. Because so many of the young people looking at what's going on with the murders, with the inequities and whatever, they've lost faith in the system. Bakari, tell them why or tell us why we still got to vote. Yeah. Tell us why. Oh, I mean, listen, I, I will say this, um, that in 2016, yep. it was a 100,000 vote difference. Yes. Between Donald Trump being president and Hillary Clinton being president of the United States. Um, that is uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah. That is Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. That's that right. is Detroit, Michigan. That's right. Um, and so it's very, very important. There's no such thing as the lesser of two evils. There's no such thing as I'm going to just sit this out because it doesn't matter. In fact, it does. And so I need people to vote, but I need them to vote in a different way. I need them to vote like we vote in South Carolina, which means you're going, you're going to gas up the church buses and you're going to make sure that everybody, including the person who you know who ain't vote, the first time they voted in 40 years was for Barack Obama, you're going to go get them. You're going to make sure that everybody in the barbershops and the beauty salons, and we're going to do this as a collection. I, I'm going to tell you this, uh, and, and my brother's getting mad at me, but I'm not asking anything else of black women. Yeah. We've asked enough of black women. Black women have carried the burden of this country and our democracy and the Democratic Party for a very long period of time. But there are, a, there are so many Black men who feel as if we have not spoken to them, who are not participating in the process. And what I want to do is make sure over the next four, five, six months yeah. that we're speaking directly to these Black men, yes. that we're telling them that their vote matters, that we're messaging for these Black men, and that we, we make sure that we go and get them and bring them to the polls, because that is a new swing vote. Because it's not as if they're choosing. I, let me tell you this. That people don't choose Donald Trump or, or Joe Biden. Sometimes they just choose the couch. And when they choose the couch, that means that we're all losing. Right, right. Well, you know, I, one of the things, I really, you know, I'm, that is such a big thing for me. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take freedom to vote. But <laughs> I think it's so important. But what I, my work is, I'm just trying to raise people's consciousness to the level that they understand, acknowledge, and recognize well, the I, power again, of choice. 80,000 80, people have died because of incompetence. Um, 36 million people are out of jobs because yes. of incompetence. Yeah. Black folk are struggling more than we've ever struggled before, regardless of the talking points that people want to talk about. These systemic injustices we've laid out are continue to ravage our community. And so I think that it's incumbent upon us to show up and show out again this November. We have to. You know, there's, a, there's an educator here who actually wants uh, your input on injustices. She says, as an educator, I try my best to ensure that my students care about injustices, but what do you think I can do to help my students see the injustices and not accept it as status quo? That's right. Wow, well, that's a tough one because it's hard to accept something as not being status quo when you see it so frequently, when those images are there. But I, I have this really age-old strategy in the classroom that I, I tell teachers. I speak to teachers often. I come from a family of two educators, but I don't believe you can teach a kid to be a doctor if they ain't never seen a black doctor, right? I don't think you teach a kid to be a dentist if they haven't seen a black dentist. And so to that teacher, what I would tell them is to um, help their students to actually show them 
um, uh, these individuals who persevere. Uh, bring those individuals to your classroom. Take, take your students on a, if, you can, if your school can afford it, I know sometimes that's difficult, but take your, take your students on a, on, a, on a field trip through the South and let them go see Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah. Let them go stand on the balcony um, at the Lorraine Museum. Um, take them to Philadelphia, not yeah, Pennsylvania, yeah. but Mississippi. That's right. where, the, where, the, where Goodman, Scherner, and Cheney, um, who were fighting and striving just to register people to have the right to vote, um, gave their lives. And so uh, my generation is, and, and to talk about my generation, I always say that about three years ago, we were worried about my generation and the generation behind us um, eating Tide Pods, and now it's changing gun laws. Right. Because you have the Parkland kids who were so affected by this trauma that they begin to um, lash out and you see black, brown, um, young people from, from all parts of the country pushing forward. And so my, my advice to that teacher is, one, let me just say thank you, because you have the patience of Job teaching our children. But even more importantly, um, it's okay to show them um, people who've persevered. It's okay to show them people who've led. I, being from Denmark, I got to share with you all this story. Being from Denmark, my father, we used to have, I talk about it in, in the book, we used to have this place called the Denmark Recreation Center. It's where every summer we would go and we would have the free lunch program come in and give us lunches so people could eat and stuff. At the end of the program, we would always go to Carowinds. Carowinds is like Six Flags. It's a theme park. But it's right, on the border, it's right on the border of North Carolina and South Carolina. And do you know what, people's, what people got most excited about? All my peers. We would have 100 kids, 100 black kids. We would ride up on the school buses up there. It wasn't a ride. It wasn't the turkey legs. Um, it wasn't the cotton candy. But when we got there, we literally spent two to three hours of kids standing right there by the ticket entrance, straddling the fence between North Carolina and South Carolina. They literally, they would, because you, you were on the border, and so they would, they would straddle North Carolina and South Carolina simply so that they could tell people that they had been outside of South Carolina, so that they had seen something else. And so the power of visualizing something in children makes them that much better. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things I talk about in my vanishing country. Can I show you something? I don't know if you can see that. Can you see that? I went to Paris. Recently. I see that, yes. And they had over 107 pictures of the Madame, of the Madama and child. Then I went right down the road, around the corner, in the same Dern Museum, and took the picture of ISIS. The same thing. They had... They had the white pictures all over, but they had the actual African art, the mm -hmm. statues, right around the corner. And when I got back, I set all my grandchildren down. I said, see what they did? I want you to see this. I want you to see what it looked like originally, and I want you to see what it looked like. So even if she can't take the kids, go there, take the pictures, and bring them back, and explain to them what Amen. they are. You know, here, here she is holding the, her Isis and Horus. There you but go. The way it's depicted, they had the Madama and the child in their 107 pictures of the Madama and child, but they didn't have Isis and Horus. I mean, they, didn't, they had the actual statue of Isis and Horus. So our children won't see it unless they go to the Sabon in Paris, you, you know? So we, oh. we gotta get it out there. <laughs> you, okay, so Bakari, clearly, uh, you will have to come back because we could have a conversation with you forever. Mm -hmm. uh, 
to all of our uh, audience that's present and those of you who are listening to this podcast, go out and purchase My Vanishing Country. Uh, in it, you will absolutely get the inspiration. Uh, you will get the why as to why it is important for us to be accountable to our dreams. You will understand history in a way that is relevant to your life and it'll give you a roadmap for how you can be more accountable to your dreams. So, um, Bakari, wow. Wow, wow. You know what? Here's my commitment, Bakari. I'm going to do my van uh, uh, a My Vanishing Country book club. Thank you so much. And walk people through also the trauma, because I think your trauma will trigger up their trauma. So we can do two things. We can learn your story and heal some trauma at the same time. Let Thank me you. get- And I'll participate in that. Okay. I'll, I'll be one of the students because there's, there's a lot about politics that I need to know and understand and be, be more connected to, and that's just real, so. And let me just, let me just say briefly, I, I got turned down over 30 times um, from publishers to write this book. And so when people ask me what I want, I tell them I want it to be a bestseller. I want it to be a New York Times bestseller. And then, and then they say, why? And I say, I don't want to put it in my Twitter bio. I want this book to do well so that other people of color can come behind me and tell their stories too. And well, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to charge all of my spiritual warriors on this thread and the 47 or 97,000 that I have on Facebook to go out and buy this book. And if you're in this thread right here, and don't buy the Kindle version, buy the book. Oh, we got to talk about that, right, Bakari? Amen. Okay. I wasn't gonna say nothing. Don't buy the Kindle version. <laughs> the trick is a trick. <laughs> buy Thank the so book. Thank you. I will buy the book, read the book. Yeah. You know, we're gonna walk the audio, book. the audio version is okay. You can you can get the audio version. I narrate right? it. I narrate it. It's fine. Yeah, but he don't get it. Don't it? The times don't count that. That's true. They don't. They don't count. Oh no! no you gotta no, no. buy the book, not the Kindle. Okay. Buy so the book. We can practice right this moment in terms of uh, our power and what we can do if we stand together. We can practice on Bakari so that when the election comes, we can do it all over again. The I have a copy, but I'm gonna go buy another one. Thank you so much. I, this is a, I, warms my spirit. Thank you all. So much. I have my copy. <laughs> nothing that I don't have. I'm on. The yeah, amen. <laughs> well, we thank you so much for joining us, Bakari. We will, um, you know, hopefully see you again here mm -hmm. at Love from a Distance, and um, we know that you're out there sharing the love, and we yeah. are better for it. Thank you so keep much. Keep out to you, Bakari, and I'm gonna keep thank you on my prayer list. Yes. <laughs> wonderful, wow, that wonderful, was fun, wonderful. Right? Wonderful. Right? Right? right. It's really I think I'm I got to chapter three and he was talking about something that happened with his father. And it was right uh because I got an advanced copy. Somebody sent me an advanced copy. And we it was right, maybe I got it, it must have been like the toward the end of April, and it was too much with the corona. <laughs> so I got to go back, but I'm going to buy a copy for my son. Yeah. Go buy the book. Go buy I, the book. I will buy my copy uh, as well. When yeah, we but buy the, the book. See, they don't tell us all of these young authors out here and, and people are doing Kindle.
Times don't count it. Wall Street don't count it. Chicago Sun-Times don't count it. And that's why you don't see very many Black authors uh -huh. on the Times selling uh -huh. anymore because people aren't buying the books. They're so buying someone should do Times. a white paper on how to really um, get on the New York Times bestseller list and share that with uh, The book don't have to be good. It's the number of sales in the Yeah, week. that's what I'm saying. That's all it is. Yeah. The number of sales. In you know, I'll tell you that, that one of the things that I'm struck by um, in his conversation and the conversation in general is, you know, it is so easy for us to uh, allow our circumstances to dictate our sense of what's possible for our lives. But if, in fact, we are going to um, create lives that live outside of our circumstances, then we're gonna to have to be accountable to how much we pour into a vision of what's possible for our lives, for ourselves. So we can't just sit back and wait and look at quote unquote reality, look at racism, look at all the problems. In spite of the problems, like you were showing in, in terms of ISIS and, and Aura, we have to begin up here first mm -hmm. and then actualize in the physical world dream yeah. and not dream as though it's some you know pie in the sky kind of thing but design your life yes even though the circumstances exist what do you want to see yeah. even though you have experienced trauma who do you want to be if you spend time investing in that idea, those ideas, they have power enough to pull you out of the circumstances, focus your mind in a way that can actually change your reality. People don't believe that. They, you know, I mean, the most powerful instrument we have on clothes, we're sitting in a chair, we're on this internet, we're on, we got a, a false eyelashes, makeup, everything, because of a thought. And yes. thoughts don't grow out your butt, they grow in your mind. <laughs> yes, but, but I, would tell, I would say this, Iyanla, up until now, people have not believed that. But one, one of the important things, and we talked about it today, is when you see people who are living the life that you want to live, who are experiencing life beyond your circumstances, use them as a mentor. And if Yanla Von Sant says, you know, that designing your, your world in your mind first is important, then it becomes important to each of those listeners to at least get curious about that statement. Well, before, before they can even get curious, what I have to do, what my work is about, is removing the trauma, the blockages, the limitations, because they won't even allow what my experience has been and, and what people have, what I've seen in people is they're so stuck in survival and trauma until they can't even get to, oh, oh, damn. I can have a creative idea, <laughs> you know? And so. I hear you and I agree, but I'm just going to say, we're going to leave. You're a prayer warrior. <laughs> I know the power of prayer. We're going to leave a little bit of an opening. Yes, we for are. it to be different from yes. this point forward. Well, listen, we got to hope. That's why I do what I do, why you do what you Absolutely. do. We're hoping and knowing that it's going to be different. No question about it.
This is a Speak About Speaking production. New flavor, 